Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you, get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message. A lot of us are unaware of things. I know myself, uh, about a year ago, I was driving on the boulevard, and I was unaware that I was going past the speed limit by a significant number (laughs) until a fine civil servant stopped me to inform me (laughs) that I was was being a little excessive in my driving speed, and uh, he was super kind. He actually gave me a piece of paper I could keep as a keepsake. Um, I'd pay for it. It, it. it makes so much sense when everyone else gets a ticket, right? When you get a ticket, you're like, I don't deserve this. I'm a, I'm a good person. I was just unaware that I was driving too fast and I needed someone to, to share that with me. I, there's been times, uh, you know, I, I do my best to guard my, my words, to be careful in how I interact and say things with people. But there have been times when I've just been too clear in, in what I said, <laughs> or, or maybe too abrasive in what I said, and somebody came back to me later and, and told me that y- you, were, you were a little offensive in how you said that to me. And, and I was just unaware. I, I just thought I was being clear, right? Just being clear, setting expectations, <laughs> and, I was, and I was unaware. There's been times when I've had food in my beard, And some of you knew it, and you didn't tell me. (laughs) What is up with people not telling bearded people that you have food in your beard? Like, (laughs) we know it happens. We know it happens. But we would expect some, some, you know, some kindness. You know, just just a little bit of love goes a long way. I think think what it is is some of you believe me when I say that my wife likes to squirrel around in there and get snacks, you know. And so you're like, oh, I don't want to don't mess up Kim. She wants to get in there and get some banana bread. No. <laughs> I, I think if, if I had been more aware at different points in my life, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble, and I really could have saved other people a lot of pain. I think especially in the way I use my words. If I was just a little more aware of someone's emotional state or... Uh, of, of someone's perception of the situation, I, I really think I could have made a situation a lot better than it turned out. But, but I think of the way that a lot of times we become unaware. It, it's not so much that we don't know something. It's just that we are apathetic. I, I think apathy itself leads to unawareness, and it costs us. Maybe today you're a follower of Jesus and and you've been living for God for a long time. Or maybe you're in the room and you're just trying to figure things out. Or maybe you're in the room and you really don't want to figure things out. You're just trying to get over your past. I I would say that all of us 
struggle with areas of our life where we are not truly aware. Specifically, not truly aware how much we matter. Not, not aware of how much we matter to God and not aware of how much we matter to somebody else. I think there's probably a chance that somebody in the room, I felt this this morning, I felt like there would be somebody in the room today who you've been considering removing yourself altogether between now and Thanksgiving. And I just want to say you matter. You matter to God and to other people. And my hope today is to help you get a glimpse of how much you matter to God, how much you matter to him. Because the truth is all of us matter. Like, like you, you not, not just like in some sort of like, oh, everybody counts. Like, oh, you're saying that because you're a preacher. No, I'm saying that because Jesus changed my life. Like, Jesus transformed the way, like, I used to be a very selfish person. Jesus transformed the way I look at others and the way I look at myself, and I recognize now that I matter to him, and we all matter to him, and we should matter to each other. Like, your story matters, your opinions matter, like, your decisions matter, like, your contribution matters, like, your role in society matters, your marriage matters, your kids, like, you matter. You really do matter. And so um, I, I'm convinced that all of us matter. Here's, here's a story that I think addresses this idea of, of people being important. It, it's in Luke chapter 7. Luke is one of the Gospels. So when we say Gospels, that's Christianese for saying biography of Jesus. There are four biograph- biographical books of Jesus that tell the story of his life. If you're going to start reading your Bible, start there, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they're written about Jesus, not about Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They're written by those people. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synopsis, synoptic is what we call it, but basically it gives us synopsis or a survey, an overview of Jesus' life from beginning to end. That's the purpose of those three books. John is different. John actually doesn't quite follow chronological order of Jesus' life, he kind of bounces around a little bit and puts in what he wants to put in and leaves out what he wants to leave out because John is writing for a purpose. He, he says it right up front. He says uh, he's writing so that you would believe. So John specifically includes things to allow you to have faith in Jesus. But in Luke, this is where I'm going to be today, in Luke chapter 7, there's this, this really neat story that talks about the importance of people and the importance of you and the importance of me. It says this, in Luke chapter 7, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went into his home, and he sat down to eat. This guy is a a Pharisee, and what a Pharisee was, was a religious leader. Not just a religious person, but a religious leader. This is the person who gets to decide who is right and who is wrong, who matters and who doesn't matter. This is the kind of guy that would keep track of who was doing well and who was sucking at life. He was really obsessed with keeping score and knowing who was on what level of society. He was a scorekeeper. Anybody in here, when you play games, you're a scorekeeper? Come on, we got some competitive people. We've got a couple of you. Some, some of you don't admit it, but some of you were like, I'm going to have my hand before anybody else. It's first. I, I really don't care about score so much. 
unless I'm winning, and then I care a whole lot about score. And so, if I'm losing, score doesn't matter. And so, uh, I was uh, this this last Christmas. We were with some some family, and we were playing uh, some games around somebody's living room. And a cousin that I'm that I'm getting to know uh, uh, was there. And uh, at one point during the game, she stopped. She's like, she said, she's like, I don't play with cheaters. I was like, I love your enthusiasm. This is great. I don't like how you're looking at me, but I. I do like what you're saying, you know, like, because game, like, games are games, right? They're, it's a game. It's in the name. It's a game. It's not, okay, maybe, maybe I learned to play Skippo from my grandmother who would change the rules every time so she could win, and I've just learned when you're playing, sometimes have more, sorry, I'll stop. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a cheater. I'm just really good. Okay. No, I'm not, I'm not good. But, but these Pharisees weren't keeping score at games. They were keeping score with life. They were keeping score with how good somebody was and how bad somebody's. They were tre- keep, keeping track of who was qualified and who was unqualified, who was worthy and who was unworthy. They, they, they liked to look down on people that were doing bad, and they liked to look at themselves like they had made it. Maybe you've met Christians just like this. They didn't like Jesus because Jesus didn't have kind things to say to them. In fact, I would say it like this. Jesus was very abrasive towards religious people that loved to keep track, and he was very gracious towards broken people looking for hope. I think the church should be the same way. I, th- I think the church should be very gracious towards people that need help. And we should, in- we should look inwardly when we become critical, and we should say, I-, I have got to change. So the real question is this. If-, if Jesus wasn't a fan of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees weren't a fan of Jesus, why is he in the house of a Pharisee? The answer is a completely different sermon. The answer is because he was invited. Jesus will go into the house of anyone as long as he's invited. He'll go into the, per- the house of somebody that doesn't believe in him if he's invited. He'll go into a critical, judgmental person's house if he's invited. I would just say it would do us a whole lot of good. Different sermon, totally different sermon. But it would do us a lot of good if we would invite Jesus into our world, wouldn't it? If we say, I'm going to invite Jesus into my internal dialogue, I'm going to invite Jesus into my marriage, I'm going to invite Jesus into my home, I'm going to invite Jesus into my business, I'm going to invite Jesus into my dealings, he shows up where he is welcome. And so it goes on and it says this, when, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume, and then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. That's awkward. And then her her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. That's really awkward. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting this expensive perfume on them. Can, Can I just, that is not socially normal awkward this woman what she's doing is odd it's unusual and it's not the way we behave 
have you ever have you ever met somebody that's always walking the tightrope of being frugal or being cheap? You know what I mean? Like there's like some people like to buy nice things or they want to put on the appearance of you know like they want to show that they're doing well. Other people. They could buy the nice things, but instead they, they, they want to be like one step up from cheap. You know what I'm saying? My brother-in-law, I love him to death. I love him to death. This is, this is how he, he's like, he, he, he's going to find the cheapest option, but not cheap, not, not bad, but he's going to buy the Chinese four-wheeler. You know what I mean? Like, but he's also going to flip that four-wheeler more times to make more money off flipping four-wheelers than I make in a whole year. Like, like he's, but he's going to be cheap. Like, I, 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 I love him. But he's on that line. This woman's not trying to be frugal, and she's not trying to be cheap. In, in fact, it says in another parallel passage, it says she, she broke the, the bottle she breaks, that the perfume in it is, is worth a year's salary. It's a year's wages. So, so like, I've been to Nordstrom. I've, I've been to Purr, or whatever it's called. Per, is that what it is? Per, pure? Whatever it's called, that place you got your makeup. <laughs> What's it called? But there's another one, pure, right? I don't even, okay, obviously I haven't been there. Dude, dude, man, give me a massage chair and I'll, I'll sit there while you shop for your makeup. I was somewhere else than, I don't know, Ultra. And I, and I was looking at the perfumes, and they're like $30, $40. Like an expensive perfume is like $100. This guy's not spending, like, yeah, I'm not buying the $100 perfume. And some of you are like, I'm sure glad I'm not married to him. Like, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm going to be on the cheap side right here. But... But I certainly haven't bought the $50,000 bottle of perfume that I found on Google. This woman did. She's not being cheap. She's not being frugal. She's coming into Jesus uninvited. She's at somebody else's house party. She walks in, starts crying on Jesus' feet. And as she sees the tears, she grabs her hair and starts rubbing his feet and kissing his feet and putting expensive perfume on his feet. I mean, can you imagine? That's like the most awkward Thanksgiving dinner of all time. Somebody's halfway in with like some stuffing with cranberry sauce. They're like. <laughs> it is weird. It is awkward. She's crying. She's wiping it up with her hair. She's kissing his feet, and she's putting perfume on him. And the question would be, like, why doesn't Jesus stop her? Why doesn't she just stop? Because you weren't invited to start with, and you're making it really weird. Is, is Jesus unaware? The Bible says that she's a, a certain immoral woman. Can you imagine, like, if that was your name in the Bible? Like, if you got into the Bible and your name was certain immoral woman? It's a horrible thing to be remembered. Like, like, they're like, Jesus, maybe you forgot what her name is in the script. Or maybe she's unaware of what your name is in the script. 
because this is not how we behave. But can I just tell you that this woman understood something the Pharisees did not understand. You see, they knew it, but she was aware of it. We can know something but not be aware of something. She was suddenly aware of how much she mattered to God. The moment she encounters Jesus, there's this depth of understanding that I really matter to God. Not some sort of cute, you know, Sunday school, oh, you matter, but I deeply matter. I may be the certain immoral woman, but I deeply matter to God. And Jesus just has that kind of an effect on people that they understand that I'm worth more than I thought I was worth. I'm more valuable than I thought. I was worth. I, ha- I thought I had nothing to offer, and Jesus shows me that He's got love and acceptance for me. And all the apathy, all the, the 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 casual part of life goes away when we encounter Jesus and discover that He loves us more than we'll ever know. Isn't it amazing that when you discover? How much we matter to God, nothing else really matters anymore. I would just encourage you, if if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus in the room today, don't ever lose this awareness that you matter to God. Don't lose that awareness that, that, that I'm important to him and I'm important to others because I'm, I'm pretty convinced most of our stress, most of our anxiety, most of our aggravation, it just comes from being unaware of how much we matter to God. And if you're not a Christian in the room today and Maybe, maybe you have less than positive views on your experiences with Christians. Maybe you could name a few Christians that, that I would need to apologize on behalf of. Can I, can I just tell you, don't, don't judge Jesus by them, but look at what the early church was like. Like, what was the first church like? When, when Christians first showed up on the scene, like, they were the people that did life together. They're the people that cared for each other. They're, they're people that, that, that made a difference in, in the world around you, in, in the world around them. Like, like, they were the first group of people that were, like, as a group, willing to lay down their life for another person. Not for an emperor, not for some tyrant, but lay down their life for somebody sitting next to them. Like, the Christians were known that when, it, when Rome was going through the plagues, that the Christians were the ones that would go door to door in Rome and gather the loved ones of the people inside the house that they'd kicked out onto the street. The Christians would gather them and bring them and and care for them and nurse them back to health. The early Christians were known for this. The, The Christians were the first group of people that insisted that women have equal rights as men and an equal place in the kingdom of God. In fact, in the early church, some of the first apostles were women. Long before there was a women's rights movement, the early Christians were fighting on behalf of things that we struggle with now. And this woman understood something about Jesus, that he would welcome her even if no one else would. 
even if everyone else would snub their nose at her and, and measure her, whether she's done good or done wrong, whether they'd call her by her known name, certain immoral woman, she knew Jesus would accept her. He goes on and it says, when the Pharisees who had, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so this is inside his mind, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. You see that, right? This dude's thoughts are in the Bible. That's a scary thing. His, his thoughts are recorded in the scripture. <laughs> like, have you ever invited somebody to, like, somewhere, and it, it just, it was, it was really bad. Like you, like, you invited them, and you regretted it. You're like, oh, honey, I wish we had eaten out tonight. This was not, this was not a good night, you know. I can imagine that's what the Pharisees are feeling. Like, I invited this rabbi into my house, and this uninvited, certain immoral woman shows up and makes a scene. I'm sure she felt unworthy in that moment. I'm sure she felt like she didn't belong. I would imagine she knew she didn't belong. I mean, we could say it like this. The very fact that a woman in that day and age had a, an alabaster, which is, is kind of like a gypsum. It's, it's like a sedimentary rock that can be uh, shaped really thin so it's translucent. In fact, even today we have lighting fixtures made out of alabaster. And that this woman would have, a woman that's known for being immoral would have a year's wages worth of perfume. Like, well, what would you use a year's wages worth of perfume in that culture for? She was already known for being a woman with less than high standards. And now she's demonstrating she has access to high-level beauty products. Another example would be the fact that she has her hair down and is scrubbing his, his feet. In the culture, hair down meant something. So yes, she knew what it was like to walk around feeling unworthy. She knew what it was like for everybody to know your business. She knew what it was like to be used by somebody and then avoided by them in public. She knew what it was like to struggle with shame and feeling unworthy in this moment. But can I tell you that the Pharisee also knew what it was like to be unworthy. That's why he built this religious fortress around his life. Because it's, it's so often true that those of us that are become the most judgmental and the most religious, acting better than everyone else, are doing it because we feel like we don't measure up to everybody else. Can I just tell you that when you meet someone that is arrogant, that is cruel, that is judgmental, behind them is a little child that feels unworthy. But if you keep telling yourself the same story long enough, you might just believe it. You keep telling yourself that you're a better person long enough, one day you might believe your own hype. 
<laughs> as you keep telling yourself that I, I just keep doing good enough things that, that, that it's going to make up for the things in my life that are missing. Eventually, you'll believe your own hype because you can, you can hide it all day long. You, know, you, can, you can hide your judgmentalism as long as you contribute into uh, you know, charities and you're making a difference in the world around you, but you can hide the, the racism inside your heart. You can hide the, the judgmentalism inside your soul. Like No one's going to discover what you're thinking until Jesus answers his thoughts in the next verse. It says this, Verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Like that is, because we often think as long as I don't say it, I'm okay. As long as I don't do it, I'm not sinning. And Jesus, he deals with this guy's internal dialogue. He says, Simon, this is the first time he introduces his name. Why does he do that? I think he's doing it because he's showing this guy You've built up this, this idea that you are a religious Pharisee. You are this religious ruler. No, you're not. You're Simon. I know what Simon does when no one's looking. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. Now, I'm not going to read the story. I'm going to ask you to go read the story. Is that okay? Go read your Bibles. Luke chapter 7, go read the story in this little portion here between uh, verse 41 and 44. It's just, just a couple of verses. Not right now. Some of you are looking right not right now. Come on, I give you, that's homework. That's homework. You're the student that was doing homework during class at home on your own time. And here, here's how, after the story, here's what Jesus says. Then turning to the woman, So Jesus is not looking at the Pharisee. He's looking at the woman. He says to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. But she washed them with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. Culturally, when someone entered your home, you would clean their feet for them. And this Pharisee invited Jesus and didn't do what was culturally accepted. And, and Jesus is saying, you didn't do it, but she did it with her tears. You didn't greet me with a kiss, which would be the equivalent of a, of a strong hug, like a, uh. He said, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, and she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Culturally, when someone would come into your house and was an esteemed guest, you would use oil as, a, as an indicator of health and, and that, they, that they would be, be healthy. And Jesus is saying, like, she did all the things that were supposed to happen that you never did. Like, like she did the things you didn't do because she was aware of something you were unaware of. You have all the rules, all, all the status levels. You, you, know, you know who's who and what's what, but you are unaware of something that this woman of the night is aware of. And when you see her, you, you, you see what it looks like when, when somebody experiences the love and the acceptance of God. When somebody recognizes that they matter to God, it changes the way they behave. 
Simeon or Simon, sorry, Simon, you are apathetic. You, you did the bare minimum. You probably just brought me in the house to question me. But she has more inside of her to offer than you and your religious facade. Because she's aware of something that you are unaware of. Not that he didn't know. We can know something and not be aware of it. She's aware that she matters to God. Last week, my wife and I were in the Philippines. And while we were there, we, we met, uh, we were at an orphanage called Ima's Home um, that one of my friends had, uh, he, he began it probably 15 years ago, and it's, it's doing great. They, they have uh, like 100 and, about 140 children, and there's such a great need in, in, that, in that country, especially in Luzon, where Manila is. A huge need uh, to provide healthy lives for children that get left on the streets. And I met a boy. Um, when he came to them, he had been on the streets for several years. He, at about four years old, he had been uh, abandoned in Manila. And Manila is, it's, it's not like Caldwell. He'd been abandoned, and he, he had lived on the streets for a couple of years before they discovered him outside of a chain restaurant. Um, some social workers discovered him. He'd, he'd been doing whatever he needed to do to survive. The social workers got him, and they, they ended up bringing him to Ima's home. And uh, my, my friend, who's from Houston, but he, he goes over there about five times a year and, and makes sure their organization is running well, it's healthy, culture's good, and that they they're, you know, have the funds to do what they do. And, and they call him Papa Jim. And when Papa Jim gets there, uh, they introduce him to this, this child. And... Um, they, they say, this is, um, what's the name? What is the name? Askin. I think it's Askin. Something like that. This is Askin. And he says, uh, Askin, I've never heard that name. And they said, well, no, that's not his name. That's the name of the restaurant he was found at. We, he doesn't know his name. And so we just decided to name him for the restaurant he was discovered at. And just something broke inside Papa Jim, and he said, we're not going to name a child based on the location where he was abandoned. We can't leave this kid going through the rest of his life with a name associated with the fact that he was abandoned. He said, we're going to pay the legal fees to get this kid a name in the government system. Like, he needs a name. And they said, well, what are we going to name him? He said, we're going to give him my name. We're going to name him James. He's, he's going to have a sense of who he is. And when I, when I met this, uh, I, we get there and all these, you know, all these kids are running and they're, they're asking what your name is and they're asking what your birthday is because they're trying to find a, a birthday twin, you know. And uh, and this, this little boy comes to me. He's about this tall, probably about this tall. He comes up, and he says, he, says, he says, what's your name? I said, my name's Roger. He says, my name's James. I said, oh, that's a great name. And he said, it sure is. He said, I'm named after Papa Jim. 
I'm just saying it made a huge difference in a street kid's life when, when he went from being just named after the place he was abandoned to know you matter enough that we're not just going to call you by the shame or the disappointment in your life, but we're going to name you and, and we're going to give you an identity and we're going to say you belong to God and you belong to others. It matters. You matter to God. You matter to God. And Simon just forgot why he mattered to God. He thought he mattered to God because he did all the right things. And he avoided all the bad things. And he knew what was right and what was wrong. But can I just tell you that you, you don't matter to God because you avoid bad things and you do good things. You matter to God because you're a child of God. You matter to God because he cares about you. You matter to God because he cared about you while you were still in your mother's womb. He saw you. He watched, the Bible says, as, as you, you were for, your inward parts were formed. They're woven together like God cares about you. And so many of us know it. We're just not aware of it. Instead, we... We grow mature in our Christian faith. And we begin thinking that I matter to God because I teach Bible studies. I matter to God because I tithe. I matter to God because I lead a small group. And can I just tell you, that's not why you matter to God. You matter to him. Because you are the apple of his eye. You're like the prize of his life. Like if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And because Simon didn't know why he mattered to God, he didn't know that she mattered to God. So my question to you today as we enter into Thanksgiving and going into the holiday season, which I don't know about for you, but for me, becomes this introspective season. My question to you is this. Are, are you aware that you matter to God? Are you aware? Not that you know, but are you aware that you matter, that you are his prized daughter, you're his prized son? And you, are you aware that everyone around you matters to God? It goes on in the last verse. It says this, band, you guys can almost get ready. Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, Jesus knows, her sins, and they are many, they have been forgiven. So, she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. People who don't think that they need much forgiving, they're the people that think that God just receives them and they become tolerant of other people. They become tolerant of the people around them that make awkward scenes. Can I tell you, we're not called to be tolerant. Like, I'm tolerant of cats. 
Like, I love you cat people, but I tolerate the cats. Amen, somebody? I'm tolerant of the squirrel in my yard that eats the bird seed I didn't put out there for him. I, I tolerate. There's a huge difference between loving people and tolerating people. Tolerance means I put up with you. We agree to disagree. You stay on your side, I stay on my side. Love means I would lay down my life for you, especially if we disagree. And over time, people who think that they've been forgiven just a little bit, they eventually become apathetic, and that apathy leads to an unawareness of the fact that they matter to God and the people around them matter to God. People who've been forgiven a lot, they're a little different. They get awkward. They do things that are odd. They cry at the wrong time. They have the wrong response to their tears and they rub hair on the feet. But you know why? Because they've discovered something that they're fully aware of. That when no one else would accept them, when no one else had hope in them, Jesus accepts them and has hope for them. It makes all the difference in the world and so they may get a little embarrassing and it may be a little awkward but can I just tell you that's what it looks like at the feet of Jesus because when you matter to him it changes the way you view your life your life is no longer yours when you matter to him, you recognize that your relationships are about more than the relationships. You recognize that the influence you have in your life is about more than the influence you have in your life. When you recognize you matter to God, the generosity that pours out of your life is about more than being generous. When, when you recognize you matter to God, you become patient with intolerable people. You become encouraging to people that are discouraged. You become the kind of person that lives life in groups. You become the kind of person that goes on the doorstep of someone else's house, finds the person that they kicked out because they lost out hope on them, and you bring them in and say, no, we're going to show this person love. That's what it looks like to recognize you matter to God. So if you, today you feel like a broken woman. Maybe you would say, I would be the certain immoral woman. Can I just say that your past does not define you? But the love God has for you is everything that defines you. And maybe today you're the Pharisee. You have an image to protect you, you, you do that through your work. You do that through the way you interact with other people. You do it through your smile. You do it through your Christian facade. And can I just tell you, all of those things are good, but you, you matter not because you do them. You matter because you are just as lost as her. And you need him. And you matter to him. And you can do all those good things. Just make sure they're coming from a place of I am already important to God. So my question is, are you aware that you matter to God? And are you aware 
that everyone else around you matters to God. Today, if, if you don't, you can stand with me. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're in this room, I, I want to give you an opportunity to really change the direction of your life. You can say, preacher, but I'm still not, I'm still not convinced about this Christianity thing. I, I, I didn't say a relationship with Christianity. I said a relationship with Jesus. Hopefully I've convinced you that, that Jesus, you matter to him. And if that's you, you're ready to build a relationship with Jesus. Today's the day. Maybe, maybe for you, you could say, I'm, I'm the immoral woman and I need a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe today you are the Pharisee. You've hidden behind a good life. The truth is you really need Jesus. Both need him the same. Here's how we get him. This is easy. We don't accept him. He's the one that does the accepting. What we do is we repent. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do, and say that don't please God. So if we're the certain immoral woman, there are some physical relationships she needs to turn away from. But if we're the Pharisee, there is some internal judgment and criticism we need to turn away from. We turn away from those things and we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. He makes us right with God. Why don't you pray something like this with me? If you're ready, if you're ready to go all in in a relationship with Jesus, pray something like this. God, I'm, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I'm turning away from them right now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me, that he was buried for three days. And he rose again with all power in the universe in his hands. So right now I'm placing all of my faith, all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on church family, some people just made the best decision of their life. Best decision. In fact, if you just made that decision for the very first time or the first time in a long time, would you put a hand up so I can see where you're at? Can you, can you put a hand up so I can see where you're at? Come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. That's good. You matter to God. And everyone, around, everyone else around you, they, they matter to God. So this Thanksgiving, when they're driving you nuts, just smile so you matter to God. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church. 
to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.